0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Even if we think back to the show, the game, the rookies come in and the rookies are treated a certain type of way. Well, now you have rookies who have been doing business deals for four years. Rookies yeah. who are coming in with a network already of a million dollars. The game is changing players some of these with their nil deals name image likeness deals they are more marketable you know coming into the league and then the league is taking advantage of that so what does that mean for players who are already in there it means move over there's a new face in town
0: welcome to making the boss brought to you by the revolt podcast network For this episode, I chat with sports philanthropist consultant Ashley S. Green, who works with Super Bowl champions, star players of the New England Patriots, the Atlanta Falcons, and more on their marketing, philanthropy moves, and branding. We chop it up about what her career entails, being a Black woman in sports and the hurdles that come with it, working with the NFL, if the show The Game was a realistic view of the the behind-the-scenes of the sports world, and more. Listen here. I really want to highlight all that you do and even like who you are as a person. So before we really jump into um, the swing of things, can you just introduce yourself and tell the audience exactly what it is that you do? Yes.
1: So I'm um, Ashley S. Green, as you mentioned. I am a sports philanthropist consultant. So I work with athletes and their nonprofit organizations to create events and programming. I also work with their teams to ensure that the athletes are working in the community. So I work with community partnerships and engagement as well.
0: So exactly what type of expertise is required to have a career like yours? So what's unique about the work that
1: I am doing, honestly, is it's it's a field of service. So I think like the first skill set is to be willing to put the needs of others first. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, but in fields of service, you're oftentimes thinking about, you know, other people. For me, I'm thinking about the players, the athlete, uh, their image, but I'm also thinking about the communities that they can impact. Also, I'm a former educator. And so, Honestly, I just transfer a lot of the skills—great uh, communication skills, organizational skills, the ability to talk to people, the ability to network, and the ability to honestly be a go-getter and to go after whatever it is that we want, or you know, to just ensure that the job gets done.
0: I really want to talk about your background as an educator, because I feel like that was very beneficial for you, you know, considering what you do today. So can you touch on how being that educator um, actually helped yes. your career?
1: So as you mentioned, my bachelor's is in early childhood education. My master's is in curriculum and instruction. I have taught in England. I've taught in the Middle East, North Africa. I've worked with educators from all around the world working in education really allowed me to be able to identify the needs of large groups of individuals, large populations of people. It also allowed me the ability to look at certain communities and groups and to determine what was missing. And for me, it was bringing a skill set and a knowledge of like the U.S. Common Core curriculum and standards. And so a lot of the work that I'm currently doing right now with the athletes is going into these communities and it's saying like what's missing and what's needed. And from there, reaching back into the community, getting partnerships. So for example, I'm working on building out a STEM lab in Dorchester with two-time Super Bowl champion, Jonathan Jones of the New England Patriots. And so STEM and STEM is really important to Jonathan and so we have partnered up with iRobot to bring robots into the schools, to bring training into the schools, and then to also build out the STEM lab. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing is like assessing the needs of a
0: community and then field of service meeting those needs. I was really excited when Jonathan told me that he was doing that STEM program because I know how to code. I don't think I even told him that. So when he told me that, I'm like, "Wow, that's like really cool because I mean, in our community, especially like little girls, little boys, they don't really think of STEM, I feel like, or science in general, right? Or mm-hmm. tech. So it's it's interesting because our world is consumed by technology, but no one's really teaching us the necessities of how to code, how to do, you know, things or build things like robots, for example. So that was No, and
1: we're really excited about this. The school in Dorchester is primarily, uh, the population is primarily black and brown. A lot of the students are from the islands and um the school works closely. I just I'm gonna shout out Lisa. Um the principal is phenomenal. The school works closely with the families. Some of the families are undocumented, but they work closely with the families to provide them with the resources. The children are beautiful, like they are beautiful children. They have bright futures ahead of them, but oftentimes, like you said, like it's it's a lack of um it's lack of access for the kids, you know, mm-hmm. and exposure. And so we're working to bring that together. And a lot of the work that I do, I, I go to the players, I figure out what it is they enjoy doing. I figure out what it is that they like doing. And then I create programming around it so that when they do show up in these schools or in the communities on their off day, it's not like another work day. Instead, it's them having fun. So with Donathan, mm-hmm. we visited his, um, we visited one of his old schools here in Georgia, and our first stop was the STEM lab. He was like, "I can stay in here all day." I was like, "Yeah, but we gotta go," you know. But that's the reaction that we want, so that when the school or the kids want him to come back you know, he's more open to doing so because he's enjoying himself and having fun while giving back. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Um, So I feel like a lot of kids, they look at the sports industry and they only see, of course, like the athletes, right? They see their favorite, you know, quarterback or cornerback, their favorite defensive player. But I don't feel like a lot of people understand all of the powerhouses behind the scenes that makes the athlete the star they are. So why do you think that is? Do you think sports can do a better job at highlighting people behind the scenes? Um, Because I also know like some people don't want to be, you know, (laughs) in the forefront like the athletes are. So what's your take? So I
1: think, I think sports can do a better job. And I think programming within institutions can also do a better job. I had a conversation with, two young ladies from Spelman college. And they told me, they were like, my background is in legal. I'm studying law. Is there space for me in the sports world? And I said, is there space? Yes. (laughs) I was like, yes, you can do whatever, you know, from owning, honestly, from owning a team to, you know, I was like everything, the players contract, like legal is all up the mm-hmm. sports. And so I think, I think it's nice when we amplify some of these positions. Um, I've also told students, whatever it is that if, if you love sports, whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it in sports. So if you love sports, but you want to study accounting or finance, you can be, you know, players. Uh, financial advisors, you can work on the team side, you can be account managers. You know, if writing, journalism, there's room and space mm-hmm. for honestly, you name the career, you know, there's room and space where it's connected or tied to sports or the facility, architecture. You know, um, people go to different stadiums and arenas because of the unique features and design of them. Those are all careers in sports.
0: Mm hmm. So do you personally want to be of course you want to be recognized, but are you the type of person who likes to be behind the scenes or do you want to be more, I guess, open or as in the forefront as your clients? So
1: when it comes to the players, I honestly like being behind the scenes. My personality in general Mm -hmm. is big. When I walk into a room, you're Mm -hmm. going to see me, you're going to feel me. And it's just it's the nature of who I am. But when it comes to working and when it comes to business, I am programming. I like to be behind the scenes. What I have also noticed, though, is because I can walk into a space and talk to anyone. If you went
0: on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating in McDonald's.
1: I have been able to also serve as a facilitator for players and for you know like potential investors or business um, businessmen or businesswomen because I'm not afraid to initiate the conversation or initiate the introduction. And so when it comes to the work, I don't I don't spend a lot of time marketing who I am, but when I enter a room, you'll know I'm there.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time you and I met. It was like at a sarah mm-hmm. party or something, and I just so it was like two parts. Like the first time I saw you, I said hi to, to you because like your presence was very you know known. So I'm like, oh, who's this? Hi. So me and you started talking for a bit, and then like towards the end of the night, Ty Cole like he um had to speak more. So like both of those interactions, I could definitely tell you were about your business and very big. So that's why I really was like, hey, I need to get to know this woman more for sure. So I could definitely see people like being like attracted to your energy. Thank you. I
1: get that a lot.
0: Honestly, like,
1: you know, people will say <laughs> you have a lot of energy or I like your energy. But honestly, that's something that I also like have to protect, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I feel like when you think about what makes you successful in whatever field or industry you're in, you know, show up as your authentic self, you know. I, and I had to learn that from working in education. I dimmed my light a lot. And I realized, you know, as long as I'm dimming my light, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. And my purpose is connected to a higher being, you know? So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to show up. But when it comes to the work, especially with the players... I'm still more, you know, behind the scenes running around. And it's, it's interesting because I had a player approach me last year and he said to me, he was like, I've watched you. I've watched you work the room. He was like, I like the way that you move. And I know if we work together, you know, we'd be able to take over the world. So even though, again, I like to be behind the scenes, but I think it's, it's kind of hard with me being who I am. Do you consider yourself an extrovert? I would say so, yes. (laughs) Yes. Like, I I I literally, I don't meet a stranger anywhere I go. I talk to people. I engage. Um, If I notice that there's, like, someone, honestly, my friends, my friends have been, like, so upset with me for this reason. But um, if Mm -hmm. someone is ever, like, in danger, I will always you know, like come to their rescue despite, you know, like what that does for me. And like quick, quick backstory, I traveled to Bali mm. solo in 2016 and the, there was a girl sitting next to me. Her name was Nadia. She was studying at Howard, Howard Law School. And so we talked mm. We were both going to Bali for healing. She was staying in the middle of a rice field. I was staying in the city next to the bars. You know, I'm like, I'm "I'm solo. I came for healing, but
0: you know, I want to go dance. (laughs) And so, on her
1: first night there, we exchanged contacts, and it was one of those moments of like, yeah, we'll link up. But her first night there, she called me. She was robbed, and so. I was like, I have a driver. I can come pick you up. And we spent the entire trip together. And like that bond was just like cemented. Ended up hooking her up with one of my friends. They dated for like two years. And so I've just always had, like when when we think about service, I've always, whether it's like personal or professional, I've always been one to think about the needs of others.
0: Wow, that's great. That Yeah, that makes your job just not even a job, really. It's just you naturally yes. as a person. It's
1: me showing yeah. up, working the room, you know, like making connections and getting the job done.
0: I love that. Can you talk about some of your um clients and what exactly do you do for them? Because um, your title, I feel like that's a good combination of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So can you break it down exactly what yeah. it is, what that entails?
1: So for some of the guys like Jonathan Jones and Trent Brown, I work with their brands. And so I work with them like specifically as individuals and, you know, like players. So it's like looking like Jonathan Jones, the player. And what does that entail? Well, he's a pilot. And so what are some things we can do in the community? Hampton University has an aviation program. And in the fall, they're hosting six aviation programs. In terms of proximity, it's not too far from New England. And so, looking for opportunities. So, one opportunity could be having Jonathan fly to Hampton, speak to the students. Another opportunity could be to have him, like, you know, call in on a Zoom call, but then connect postseason. For players like Trent Brown, he has a ranch out in Texas. And so, he's all things farmer, all things cowboy. We went to the Houston Rodeo had the time of our life. It was so nice. Um, but right now I'm working with a dairy farmer up in New England. So I'm working with the Patriots to A, get Trent on the dairy farm because he's interested in their operations. But then we're also going to bring a group of students in because the exposure to careers, the exposure to, you know, just knowing Hey, in the middle of the city, there's farms here, you know. There's dairy farms and this is how you're getting your milk at the schools. And so, for some of the guys I'm doing that, um working with Casey Hayward. Casey has been in the league now about 12 years. And so, I am all things Casey Hayward from his nonprofit organization to his personal. I recently, he named me as the godmother of his son. And so, you know, that's that's another piece. The guys, like when you're working with someone, you truly become family over a period of time because you're thinking about who do I trust, you know, and who you know who's in my life, who I know is going to make the best decisions for me. And that's that's honestly what I'm doing on a daily basis for these players, with Marcus Jones, who's also with the Patriots. Marcus um, has an alias. His name is Elliot. So Elliot is a a singer and a producer. And so we went out to the Mattapan Teen Center and we had some songwriting, producing sessions with kids, also working working with Marcus and his team on starting a nonprofit organization called Covered by Music Foundation. And so a lot of the work that I do, I tap into the players and their interests. What are you interested in? How do we amplify this off the field? But then how do we engage your team and also utilize the team, utilize the team's resources and bring the team on board as well to execute either personal
0: projects or community-based projects? (laughs) This is kind of a crazy question, but I feel like, remember that show the game? Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) I was going to ask you, like, if you watched it, because to me, I feel like a lot of people weren't aware, again, of all of the moving parts of the sports industry until that show. So were you like a fan of it? Was it realistic or was it full of crap? Like,
1: (laughs) No, I definitely watched it. And even thinking, even me being in this field now and having watched that show, I think that it's still very much realistic. It is? I I think it is. I I used to jokingly um, call one... A group of me and my friends used to jokingly call one of our football friends, Jason. Mm -hmm. We were like, you're so frugal. (laughs) Um, I think even what Melody went through, you know, some women go through that of trying to figure out their identity, but then also trying to be present for their significant other who has such a demanding life. And, uh, you know, Tasha Mack... Definitely some Tasha Mack's They're real life Tasha Max. And even looking at like the role of the role of the relationship between the rookies and the vets, I think that that was a bit realistic. And <laughs> even just I think towards the end, if I remember correctly, the star there was Derwin. Derwin was like a star, right? Was he, mm-hmm, was he the yeah. quarterback? Or is that or was that Melody? Tasha Max' son. I yeah, Tasha Maxson was. Okay, the so Tasha Maxson. Okay, yeah. Malik. So, even if you think about sports, and this is why my personal goal is to help athletes create legacies beyond the game because all it takes is a few bad games. All it takes is an injury. All it takes is a younger, faster, stronger athlete to come in, you know, or a more marketable athlete to come in and you build this huge career up, but overnight, you know, you can come crashing down. And so for me, with the guys that I work with, if we build strong ties in the community, if you're working in the community, if you're really affecting change and not just, you know, purchasing something, not just.
0: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Just giving away money. Anytime a player comes to me and they're like, oh, this person wants me to donate. I'm always thinking, how can we build a partnership with this organization? You know, like, how do we actually connect you and tie you to this? And so that, A, you're not viewed as just a transaction. But be so that you're remembered for the work that you you're doing and that you've done off the field. I was just talking to a mom. Her son is in college. He should be coming out next year, and so and declaring for the draft. And so I was telling her when you think about nonprofit organizations, I want you to think beyond just your son when you're creating this brand. And so let's not use his face and image for his logo Mm -hmm. and set, because his face and image is going to change over time. And instead I was like, think about target. You know, when you see that red dot and that circular dot around, it, you know, it's target Mm -hmm. when you, the boys and girls club, you know? So Mm -hmm. when you, when we think about a brand, especially if we want, you know, it to be mainstream and especially if we want to be able to affect change in multiple communities We have to look at things from like a broad perspective. And so I've worked with, you know, teams to help rewrite mission statements because the mission statement will be so narrow that you can only do it in this one specific area, but your son may end up playing on five different teams over the course of his career, you know? So how do we, you know, set up programming in the beginning so that it transfers no matter where he's playing at? And so I I honestly, I do a little bit of everything, but I also, I know, I know limits and I know that like sometimes once an athlete has like grown, all right, we built up this platform. Now it's time for us to bring on additional, you know, help. And, And for me, that's an opportunity to continue to amplify women and girls in sports because I'm looking around and saying, all right, I know you do this the opportunity is present. I want to go ahead and bring you on or I want to introduce you to the
0: team. Do you also, I know you touched on it, but do you also see yourself doing more with college athletes too? Yes,
1: I think yes. The answer in short term is yes. And and <laughs> I think a part of the reason it's yes is because I do the defensive back skills camp and so we're taking some of the top high school athletes and over time you just build relationships, you know, with the with the guys and so AJ Terrell's younger brother, Av Terrell, Avian Terrell, he's going to Clemson. He's attended our the showcase for the past two years. He is going to be special at Clemson. And so he has a personality. He has a persona. Like he has the potential to be a star. And so I've already talked to his mom. I've talked to him. I'm like, listen, on your team. <laughs> Um, But it'll be nice because I'll actually be working with another. I'm actually working with a player right now at Clemson and and they play the same position. So it'll be nice for them to, you know, see some of the work we're
0: able to do. What do you see is the biggest mistake that athletes make when um, doing things uh, to, I guess, enhance their brand?
1: The biggest mistake they make is thinking they have time. Mm. It's, thinking, yeah. <laughs> it's thinking, you know, I don't want to do any, I don't want the camera on right now. I'm just doing it because, you know, this is what's in my heart. I'm just giving back. And then when you look up and you realize you've been funding all of this on your own. And so you're like, hey, I want to get some sponsors. And it's like, when when you had the opportunity to document this, you didn't want to document it. So now they don't know Mm -hmm. that you're doing it. Um, But also back to the time thing, you know, like there's with everything, there's like a prime time, you know, that you're going to have within your career. And you either take advantage of it or you let those moments and opportunities pass by. And so a lot of athletes have been stars their entire life. You know, you are a star. If you were really good, you were standout in middle and high school. You were standout in college. And I think there's, there's nothing like the, you know, uh, the accolades. There's nothing like the publicity that you get as like a college student. You have hundreds of thousands fans, you know, showing up for you on a weekly basis, booster clubs, pouring money into you. You're, the athletes are really at like the height of their stardom, in my opinion, in, in college. And then you, they get to the NFL and or, you know, like any professional realm and, they lay low, you know? And it's like in those moments of you laying low, these are moments where you should really be taking full control, you know, doing as much as you can. Because remember, younger, stronger, faster is coming. And when they come, Mm -hmm. it's all about their brand, you know? And whether or not they're going to take advantage of that current platform. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say I've also seen, you know, like sometimes players it'll take an injury for a player to realize okay this i need to do more but sometimes it's like you're hurt you're not relevant you're not you're not going out there and playing on the field it doesn't mean that opportunities are shut down you know because for the mm-hmm. way that i see things i'm like all right you're hurt now you can show up in the community but right. i'm like hey you know we can we can do more work now and you're visible and you're accessible but if you're and mm-hmm. you're just in the locker room or if you're just hurting you're sitting at home and you're not taking advantage of that time that you have off, then you weren't yeah. playing so you're no longer relevant and you're not helping. Nowhere to be like, seen. Like no yeah. one, no one, I hate to say it, but no one cares anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you do, I mean, like I feel like a lot of athletes, they, of course, they're going to be upset if they're injured, but then they forget hey, I still need to be active to some extent so people could know, like, I'm still here, I'm still healing. So then hopefully I can, you know, come back and do what I do and continue to be Mm -hmm. relevant.
1: And the biggest thing they can do is to be a leader. And I've seen that from some athletes that I've worked with as well. You know, showing up on the sideline, you're hurt, but you're still here. You're hurt, but you're at an away game. So showing up for your team and sending that messaging to the leadership of the team that, you know, you still care. It's all about remaining relevant, you know.
0: I did want to ask, because you do work with mostly athletes, I did want to get your opinion on the lack of Black owners and, and um, coaches in the league. Um, what's your take on that?
1: Okay, so owners and coaches, I think with owners – it's a lack of access to resources and education with the coaches. I think they're just not providing these coaches with the opportunity. Mm -hmm. A lot of the coaches are qualified. They're overqualified. They have the experience, but we're still dealing, you know, we're still very much dealing with racism, you know, like racial disparity, despite, despite the, the slogans and the mantras, you know, um, justice for all and all of that, despite that, we're still breaking down barriers. And so I think that one of the things that athletes can do when they are going through um, the institutions where they're provided with these scholarships for schools, I think that they should start to like think about where their interest lies and think about, honestly, what their careers are going to be beyond the game. Because if you start thinking that early, you can a utilize the team and its resources, but b start to create, you know, and position themselves to be in the spaces where the owners are, and positioning themselves to be in the rooms with the decision makers. Um, from an owner standpoint, I think that more of the owners need to reach. They need to. They need to reach back. You know, look down, reach back. I think Ed from Big Night Live in Boston is a prime example of someone who is and is Ed Kane. He's a prime example of someone who, you know, has access, has access to power and to resources and funds and he uses that for the good and um, he he's a partner and supporter of Nia who is in Boston, and she just opened up a restaurant called Grace by Nia. And so Nia is the very first Black person, so like woman, male, to have a restaurant at Seaport, but also the the first woman in general to have a restaurant. And even with that being said, you know, she received no's, doors were closed, and Ed, not used to receiving these same no's, made sure those doors were reopened. And so I think that, like, we have to remember that while we have come a long way as, like, a community, as, like, you know, as a culture, as, you know, like.
0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Even an entity with the NFL our guys are still dealing with racial disparities off the field.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jonathan Jones wanted to purchase some property in his hometown. And when he got to the gate, the owner of the gate didn't want to open it. Once he got inside, he sat down and the owner would not respond to him, wouldn't address him, wouldn't look at him. And that's crazy. And so I mean and Kanye called it, you know, if even if you were in a coop, you still And a Benz, you know, like, you know, people are so like that that's the reality. And so what we have to I think I hate to say we have to work harder, but we just have to put those structures in place. And I think the athletes need to take advantage of their platforms when they're playing take advantage of the resources that the team and that the NFL PA or like any league offices, whether it's basketball, football, whatever, take advantage of the resources that they are offering while you're actively playing, because it becomes 10 times harder when you're done.
0: Right. I agree. So where do you see the NFL and sports in general, like in the next 10 years from, you know, an insider's perspective?
1: I think I think the game, pun intended, I think the game is about to change. And I think mm-hmm. it is going to change because, you know, you have some players who will probably take a pay cut to play in the league because wow. of, you know, everything that they're offered with the NIL. I think that mm-hmm. for a lot of players, you know, Even if we think back to the show, the game, the rookies come in and the rookies are treated a certain type of way. Well, now you have rookies who have been doing business deals for four years, rookies who are coming in with a network already of a million dollars. The game is changing. Players, some of these with their NIL deals, name, image, likeness deals, they are more marketable, you know, coming into the league. And then the league is taking advantage of that. So what does that mean for players who are already in there? It means move over. There's a new face in town. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new face on the billboard. And so I think it's going to be interesting even to see the dynamics between rookies and vets. Um, and I think that like sometimes even with some of the the vets, they look back and they're like, if I had this, you know, like it's like that, that I wasn't provided with that same opportunity. But all of that then plays into ego, which plays yeah. into – relationships in the locker room. So I definitely think A, we're going to see a shift there. I think B, we're going to see more women taking up some of these spaces. Um yes. just truth being told, the NFL, they love a story. Everyone loves a story. So you make the first woman here, that's the headline, you know. Um and I think that once the women are in these positions, you know, the men will see we deserve to be there. Like, this is a handout. We deserve to be there. And we we provide just as much, if not more value as them.
0: What are some obstacles that you face as not just a woman in sports, but as a Black woman specifically? And how have you overcome them? Yeah.
1: So I think as a Black woman, some of the obstacles that I face is I I'm, I'm like a solo entrepreneur. I work with Mm -hmm. several players, but I, my business, I have a team of, you know, different consultants that I work with, a team of different contract contractors that I work with. But one of the biggest obstacles that I've, that I've faced is in terms of men in the industry, wanting things to be like an exchange. I'll give you this contact. Mm -hmm. I'll look out for you if you go on a date with me. Or um, men even saying to me, you only reach out to me for work-related things. You never reach out to me and say, hey, let's go get a drink. And work-related reach outs, these are star players on the teams. So it's not like, you know, just uh, a no-name. Like the the guys that I'm reaching out, it's the face of your organization. And I'm telling you about Mm -hmm. the things we're doing in the community with them. And I'm asking for your support, but in, in, in turn, you want me to write you and say, let's go out for a drink. Um, That's crazy. I've had different people say, oh, send me a pitch deck um, and send me over a pitch deck. And at the end of the call is, but I've been trying to take you out and you won't take me. You won't like let me take you out. And so I. am.
0: That's see that they're like that bold and say things. Yeah. Like
1: and that. so I'm very much set, very much set in in my ways with this. Like at the end of the day, I will be like Frank Sinatra. I'll be able to say, I did it my way. If it takes me longer to get there, I'm okay with it. Because I know that wherever I end up, I'll get there with my integrity intact. And to me, that's way more important than, you know, taking a shortcut. For
0: a resource. Mm-hmm. Would you say that a lot of women in, in the industry, they feel like they can't a hundred percent be themselves because they don't want the I guess the appearance that they are there for alternative reasons instead of their job. Their yes, career? I think
1: that it is a struggle. I think it's a struggle with some people. And honestly, I, you know, I had an athlete tell me. I want to work with you, but I want to have fun first and proceeded to send Mm. like an inappropriate emoji. And so for someone who isn't sure of themselves, or for someone who is new to the field or industry, they may feel like they have to compromise their morals and values, you know, so that they'll be accepted. And for me, I'm okay with not being, because I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm the connections are elsewhere for me. For me, it's like, if this is how you operate, I don't even want to be associated with you. But I do think that there are, you know, women out there who may struggle, A, with their, you know, identity. Like, how do I show up as me? You know, and they may feel, especially in the world of sports, they may feel that they have to, like, tone down or dial down, you know, who they are. But I think there are also women Who are coming in and, you know, like, and we, and I'm gonna say we because I'm one of them, we're saying it's okay to be you, you know? It's okay to show up. One of the things that I love is like whenever I go out, sometimes I'm business sporty, sometimes I'm business casual, and I'm always going to be appropriate for the room that I'm in, but it's walking into that room with confidence, you know, knowing that you know, a, a trailblazer is someone who, you know, paves the way for others to come behind, you know? And so I think that there are women in sports like Taylor Rooks and Kimberly Martin who are doing exactly that. And, and I can confidently speak on both of them because I've been in rooms with them where they have given me their phone number and have said, call me if you need anything, you know, like call me. And so mm-hmm. I think that, I think that while some people may struggle,
0: we are going to definitely see a shift and a change. Do you feel like uh, sports and specifically the NFL, do they want to be more inclusive of women or do you think that they feel like they don't have a choice? I feel like it's a mixture of both.
1: I feel like they definitely want to be more, but we're here, we're showing up and we're showing up with our personalities. We're doing the work behind the scenes. And so sometimes you, you, you honestly have to pause and say, why was that event so successful? You know, Mm -hmm. what, and, and, and I think that a lot of I've even seen it with some of the men in this industry, like pausing and saying, you know what, you were really the GOAT in this situation. Without you, this event would not have like ran the way that it did. And so I think that the NFL still has a lot of work to do. There are mm-hmm. still some rooms that need to be diversified. There are some rooms that need to be busted up, you know, like realistically speaking, when you look at the owner's rooms, you know, like just. That, that lack of diversity there. And I would say not even with just like race, but even gender, you know, like how many women are owning these teams. And so I think that there's still shifts that need to be made. But when you look at like the Raiders organization, I believe their president is a woman. The shift is taking place.
0: I did want to ask, do you only focus on nfl athletes or do you do um nba players wnba
1: so i had the pleasure of working um on an event with danny green at the barclays about few years ago and so when the cavaliers actually played the Hawks, danny had COVID, so he reached out to me i was like hey do you mind sharing some of this or getting some of your guys to come out to this basketball game and so that was that was nice um i i think in the future there is definitely space to expand across, you know, a plethora of sports. But then, a part of me also, I love football. Like, mm-hmm. a part of me, you know, like it's like I, I love this. Like I love watching. Um, I'm looking forward to working with some of the local businesses in Boston to host Monday night football games, where we get the love fans that. and players out. And so again, it's it's who I am, you know, like if you think back to the Jersey girls, I was doing things like that before. Um, but I think like a key thing for me is if we look at like the timeline, again, 2020, I moved back to the states. This is twenty twenty three. Bro, it shut right. down from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one essentially. And so there was a lot of growth last year, which was like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um I also just wanna like One of the we didn't really touch this, but like the Patriots organization, they recognized me this year as a trailblazing woman and the men. Oh, really? And so I'm sitting next to the CEO of the Craft Sports and Entertainment Group, and I'm sitting on a panel with the president of the Boston NAACP, and I'm just like, wow. You know, in my mind, there's still so much work to do. But it's nice to be you know, recognized for yeah. some of the work that's taken place.
0: Yeah. And you've been doing this not that super long. And look at where you're already accomplished and where you are already. So that's a major accomplishment. So definitely congrats Thank on you. that. Thank you. Has there ever been a moment or moments where you were just over it and wanted to quit? And if so, <laughs> And if so, how did you get over those thoughts? because those are real, real thoughts. thoughts. Yes.
1: No, yeah. yes, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I, I think even like a year ago, I was like, I'm done with this. You know? <laughs> um, and, and honestly, I think about I go back to like my purpose, and the reason that I'm there. And I realize you know, sometimes a you have to set boundaries and b you can't save everybody, you know, and So um, I've also, one of the boundaries that I've set for myself is you checking energy and checking an athlete's mindset. If an athlete has a growth mindset, we can take over the world together. But if the athlete has a limited mindset, you're a great individual. You're just not the guy for me, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think like me learning, me realizing that, on, on those moments that I wanted to, like, give up or quit, it was it was just me being frustrated. I'm like, how do you not see? You know, like, don't you right. understand yeah. what I'm trying to do for you, you know? And <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like, okay, you can't save them all. And so that was my thing.
0: What makes all of your hard work worth it? Like, what's the reward of your job?
1: The reward is, oh, my gosh, it's walking into schools and, you know, knowing that we are truly making a difference in the kids' lives. It's, you know, it's showing up in communities and seeing the impact, you know, of all of the hours of planning, it's seeing it all come together. And so, and then from the player's side, it's it's the awards, you know being nominated as Walter Payton Man of the Year, being nominated as the NFLPA Community MVP. And so it's like you're now being recognized for your off-the-field effort. And I, with, even with Jonathan, like we were, he made the finalist for the NFLPA Community MVP as an Alan Page, and I was in my living room jumping and screaming <laughs> and I realized, I was like, okay, I know he cares, but for me, it's like, these are all the hours that I put in, you know? And so mm-hmm. I was like, as an entrepreneur and as someone whose heart is in service, I am fulfilled when we're able to, you know, check off those boxes, where we're able to meet the goals of the athletes. And when we're able to go into communities, like now in Boston, I like, I've been in the the hood. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, like, Mattapan, Dorchester, Rockton, you know, like, it's mm. almost like, and, and I'm seeing the impact that we're able to make. And a lot of times it's exposure, you know, it's, it's someone seeing someone look like me or some, it's, it's the girls seeing someone look like me. And I'm like, yeah, I work in sports, mm. you know, it's them being able to see themselves in the players and to know that it's attainable and to know that, like, you know, someone who plays on Sundays, cares about you enough to show up.
0: What advice do you have for the young girls who do want to do what you do and do want to be in sports?
1: So my advice is one, to have a vision and a plan, you know? Um, Some people want to enter this because they want to be close to the players. Some people want to enter it because they just want to be at the games. Days will be dark. You'll have moments where you want to throw in the towel. You'll have moments where you question if all of the hard work is worth it. But if you can go back to your plan and if you can assess where you started and where you're at, you, you'll you be recalibrated, you know, and then it'll give direction and guidance for where to go. So have a plan, set, you know, work boundaries, set personal boundaries, have moments where... You block out all of the noise, and you, you really ask yourself, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Am I being valued? I'm putting, you know, is the time appreciated and valued? And if it's not, my advice is to move on, to find something or someone or a career or a job or pathway that services who you are. But I think it all goes back to that vision and that plan.
0: Would little girl Ashley be proud of the woman she is? Today? She
1: would be so proud. <laughs> she really <laughs> would. Um, you know, it's funny because sometimes I think back I've journaled. I've journaled high school, college, I have a digital private blog. Um I, I always oh, yeah, yeah it it's it's like private, but it's Love good. That. Like okay. I've re- mm-hmm. like sometimes I just go back and I read and um one one day I read and I cried because I lost like a mother figure along the way. And I cried because I was like, girl, you were in so much pain and you made it. So it's like bringing tears now. But I was like, you were in so much pain and it was so dark, but you made it through. Like, look at where you're at right now.
0: My last question to you would be What is your definition of a boss?
1: Um, okay, I like that definition of a boss. My definition <laughs> of a boss is someone who not only has the ability to listen to what their needs are, but also the courage to take action. Even when it's not the popular thing to do, and even when they're afraid and frightful, they still go after their dreams, they go after their vision, and they don't let anyone get in the way of where they want to go.
0: Thank you, Ashley. I'm so happy um, you got a chance to talk to me. I know your schedule is super, super busy, so I really appreciate your time. No
1: worries. Listen, we have to get together in L.A. I was like, if yes. I would have flew out there, if you would have told me, I would have flew and we could have did it in person.
0: I mean, we could always do it again. Like, studio's here. I'm here. No, <laughs> no, for so, for yeah. Where can people follow you on socials?
1: Socials, you my Instagram is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y dot S dot Green. I have a website as well which is www.ashley com. but um, I'm on LinkedIn. I need to be more active on LinkedIn okay, and Twitter cool. as well.
0: Thank you, Ashley. Right, we'll talk, talk soon. Bye. Back in and back in and back again. Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, hey. hey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making the Boss with special guest Ashley S. Green. There's a lot more where that came from, so be sure to keep it locked for more shows coming soon. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Aisha Thorpe and on IG at beauty underscore marked. That's M-A-R-K-E-D 92. Talk soon, my bosses and bosses in the making.